0: events unravelling, and many of us once again rethinking how we can reapproach our new normal. Today, we'll be diving into things you should know about our changed new world. I'm Colin Day, Managing Director of EMEA, and you're listening to Octopost's Original Discussion Series. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, time for the next episode of Octopost's Original Podcast Series, Stuff You Should Know About Our Changed New World. It gives me great pleasure to uh, welcome Jonathan Lawson from Manchester Metropolitan University right here from my home country, the United Kingdom. So welcome to the conversation, Jonathan.
1: Thank you very much. Very good to be with you, Colin.
0: Excellent. Jonathan, just you know, by way of quick introduction to, to the audience, because um, some of them may know you, um, some of them may not know you from Adam or Eve. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan, from what I understand, uh, the conversation and the socially stalking that I've been doing of you, um, you're currently the director of strategic partnerships um in the faculty of business and law at the mm-hmm. university um as well as um you know having that position you also um hold a position in apprenticeship development right you're the the lead um with inside uh, um that that particular area but um Jonathan, look, I also understand that um you know you've specialized in Um, previously in leading major regional programs to support high growth, small and medium-sized enterprises um, across the UK. And focusing on that, um, where you and I got to know each other was through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business UK program, which I believe you've been involved in since 2012, right?
1: Yeah, 2011 actually, when it uh, it first came to the UK, so that was a a, a really fantastic project. It was called 10,000 Small Businesses, um, and it's supporting those high-growth small businesses that you've mentioned. Uh, so I was involved with that for about nine years, which is the longest I've done anything other than hair loss. Um, so you that and me was both a, a great experience. I absolutely very convenient during the lockdown. Yep, um, absolutely. So yeah, that, 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 that was a major thing. We supported, uh, oh gosh, in the UK, about 1,500 businesses through that. Uh, every sector you can imagine, from um, coffin manufacturers to high-tech biofuels, sawmills, through to you know, high-end tech uh, organisations, specialising in online platforms. Um, united, really, by being in a position to grow and having, having the want to do it. Uh, which of course is not, is not the case for, for, for a, a vast majority of small firms.
0: Yep, no, no that's, that's great. So, um, outside of the, the Goldman Sachs program, what do you do on a daily basis at the university? What, what, is, what is you know the, the role of Jonathan?
1: Yeah, so I work, I, I work across two teams. So one specialises in, in the small firms, um, and that's called our Business and Public Engagement Unit. So we run lots of programs, typically funded. Uh, again helping small firms, uh, they focus on different subject areas so that could be uh, about hydrogen fuel cells, it could be about cybersecurity, um, it could be about leadership and you know based around the three themes of leadership, innovation and growth. Um, so it's it's finding the small businesses that, that could do with a little bit of support which is in some ways the hardest part uh, and then creating programs that are specifically designed for small firms. And this is a, a bit of a, a bit of a problem for our SME economy, in that in that most training and development isn't. It's designed for big businesses, and then you end up with a bit of a sort of cut and shut, where you you make it shorter, you make it cheaper, and you're talking to small firms about you know what to do with their HR director. Well, they haven't got one. You know how how do you how do you run the board meeting? Well, we don't have board meetings. So I think you know recognizing that SMEs are such a well, A, a massive and B, a massively vital part of the economy, it's it's perennially disappointing that we don't have more specialised support for them.
0: Gotcha. Well, John, look, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's great. I mean, the, the time that we're in, right, we're really in, you know, uncharted territory for mm-hmm. business, for academia and people like yourself and the organisation you work for, politicians, economies, citizens, the world as a whole right now, right? But, um, you know, I'm seeing or I'm hoping that I'm seeing some light at the, the end of the tunnel, right? Things are starting to, to loosen up and get back to some form of, of, of normality, mm-hmm. right? But from the conversations you've been having with um, you know, the businesses that uh, um, you talk to on a, on a daily basis recently, what are some of the transformational stories that um, you've, you've been hearing?
1: So I think it's, it's a real mix out there when it comes to SMEs at the moment. Some are, some are struggling incredibly. Um, due to the nature of the sectors that they're in, due to, due to where they were when the, when the crisis started and it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm loath as an educationalist to say that, you know, we couldn't have foreseen this, we couldn't have trained for it, we couldn't have planned for it. But some of this is just where you were when the music stopped. And so, you know, we have to recognize that for people. Nobody expected this to come, and, and some people were just in an unfortunate position when that happened. True for small businesses, true for some universities as well, it must be said. I think um, true for
0: big business as well, Jonathan. Oh, That's I did. Like, I did. Um, I, the, the way that I view it is the, 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 the problems that um, you have in, in large business, whether that be so like um, your large domestic or, or, or multinational. Right, I I see that the problems that people are challenged with, if if you distilled them down to to the bare bones, right, it's no different whether it's an SME or or whether it's a large enterprise. The difference is the way or the resources that you've got to be able to throw at it to to resolve the problem in the first place. Would that be a a, a true statement in your mind?
1: Yes, I think I think that is true. I mean. <sighs> You know, m- most of the programmes that I've ever run have been multi-sector. And so, you know, people come to them with a sense of, well, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a manufacturer, I make plastics. What am I going to learn from a, from a social enterprise? Um, and exactly as you say, when you boil it down, the, the, the issues of business actually are very, very universal. I think the difference with with small firms is it, it is about resources, but it's also about where the experience lies. Um, and it's it, it's a very funny job running a small firm. It's it's as far as I know the only job in the world where you need no prior experience and no one gives you any training, um, and that is a little bit different in big businesses. There's this kind of professional career ladder where you don't you don't accidentally end up at the top of a FTSE you know, 250 company. Whereas with, with small businesses, it, you know, these are often people who were very good at something. They were a great engineer. They were a great uh, educator and and they got busy um but but there isn't that that kind of transition point where you go well i'm now doing something else because i'm not actually working on the lathe anymore and i'm probably not doing the translation work and i'm probably not standing up in front of the the people that were training and so there's that background knowledge skills um that are often missing now that's not to say that these people aren't absolutely fantastic and they have you know, innovated, they have learned as they've gone along, they've done a huge amount of experiential learning, but that background stuff is often not there. And in times of crisis, um, th- those missing bits of knowledge can can make the difference between success and failure.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, I pulled you totally away from the question at hand as well, right? In so much as, you know, what are some of the uh, um, Sorry, transformational stories? No, that, that was me, not you. And um, what are some of the so, transformational things that you've, you've been hearing and, and seeing recently?
1: I mean it's really difficult at such a difficult time um, to say this, but I, but this is a great opportunity to innovate. you know crisis does force innovation, and so particularly for those businesses where the trade is still there it's been it's been a fantastic platform for them to do things differently um, and that can be small stuff, big stuff, a lot of it focuses around digital adoption, you know building in digital accessibility platforms integration into the way that they do business which by the way links to productivity and i think you know it'll be interesting to see the impact on productivity as we come out of this because i actually expect that those firms that survive and do well will learn the lessons of this and will look different uh, when they come out the far side and that's going to have pros and cons but i i actually wouldn't be surprised if productivity and you know we've got this problem with long tail productivity of small firms in the uk i wouldn't be surprised if productivity starts to uptick based on that based on what people do um in terms of those innovations th- they're many and varied um i mean it can be anything from you know we've got a local butcher who as soon as the the crisis started said right we're shutting the shop we're doing deliveries uh you order online we bring it around two days later social distancing all the rest of it now they posted something to say i think they've done 400 deliveries in a morning now there's a question there isn't there? when we come out of this do you go back to what you were doing before or is there actually a different business model there and i think that's where the 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 silver lining is in in that this 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 has forced people to think differently
0: Gotcha. i mean look you're, you're talking to me from uh from your home i'm talking to you from from my home um you know doing things differently is 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 key right we've all gone through no matter how big small um uh, or indifferent your organization is no matter what sector you you operate in right it's like um if you're operating at the moment um you know there's a 80 percent chance that um you're doing it from uh, from your home office mm-hmm. yeah, or your your homes like uh um, your home garage or, or your home bedroom, right? It's like, um, yeah. you know, whether you've got uh, animals in the room with you, kids in the room with you, whether you're homeschooling. I'm not going to go into the story that uh, you and I like, um, discussed off air a minute ago <laughs> about dogs snoring <laughs> under the table, Jonathan, but we'll it's, we'll it's leave it's everyone. It's perfectly feasible. Yeah, yeah um, but, um, you know, we've we've all had to innovate um, in some way, shape or form. And, you know, two two key takeaways from what you just said, right? It's like um, regarding your digital butcher yeah um you know changing business models yeah um so you know as we come out the the back of this like um, you know what what is the business model that uh, you know we're we're really going to adopt going forward and and i think that's key for for anyone no matter you know the size of the organization the functional role you play with inside that organization right um and then the digital transformation that uh, um you know companies um you know have gone on traditionally um you know if you looked at a sales or marketing organization with inside a large firm yeah if if you were going to adopt a transformational project yeah of some nature with inside those those functional areas you're talking about a, a two or three years like um, initiative a two or three year mm-hmm. program of work right that's happened over the last you know three months right it's like um um, and it hasn't taken three months to do. Maybe it's taken three hours or three days, yeah, yeah. or you know. Um, so you know, there's there's been a, a huge like um, you know shift. Um, I think uh, a momentous shift in, in the way that uh, you know people look at technology in order to yeah. to empower that business model. Would you agree?
1: Yes, and I think that's a great step. I think it's not yet got over the next hurdle for SMEs, which is this is brand new for a lot of them. And it's, it's a problem that's been around for, for, for a long time. But, you know, we've, we've got people with great technical expertise and we've got people who are running small businesses and that there's a real kind of communication problem. There's a purchasing problem because often SMEs don't have the expertise to know what product it is they should be buying. And so, you know, th- there's often a real mismatch. Um, we were doing some work down in Norfolk quite recently with a, with a, um, a company that uh, basically uh, charters airplanes it's only a small firm but um, they they look after airplanes for people that own them and they were sort of discussing what you know what what they really would be transformational would be some kind of live online uh, system that their uh, clients could log into see where their planes are it would give them the data that they need but they had no idea how to go about engaging with that who do you talk to who can you trust and so it's it's an unformed market at the moment. And I think what we'll see and what has to happen is that SMEs will start to get more knowledge. They'll start to get more savvy about what they need and how to buy it in exactly the same way that they do with the rest of their supply chain. I think the digital supply chain isn't, isn't working well for SMEs at the moment. I think this will be a kickstart to do more with that. Um, but again, I think that, you know, there's gonna be a need for support for people as they go through that process
0: gotcha so jonathan just picking up on some of that right um you know the the words free words that you use there right what they need yeah um from an sme perspective um you know look picking up on another area of of your expertise the apprenticeship programs Mm. yeah um you know what are you seeing actually for some of the audience they may not know what an apprenticeship program is so we might just want to start off by explaining that but um um Know, coming off the, the the back of that as well, so like, um, what do you what do you see the labour requirements, the skill sets of of the future workforce, like um, being as we start to come out of this? Could you give us some some colour on both of those? So, what is an yeah, apprenticeship sure. program, and uh, what do you what do you see the uh, the the labour force of the, of the future um, mm-hmm. needing from a skill set perspective?
1: So, okay, it's so a big question. So, uh well, the Sorry. first one's all right. No, no, it's fine. Uh, so. Uh, At Manchester Met, we we specialise in degree apprenticeships, so these are a relatively new invention, they came about in 2015, and they are a full undergraduate or master's degree, delivered as part of an apprenticeship, so these people are employees, they are typically in the business, let's say four days a week, and then a day a week of study, and it's a very, very integrated experience. Um, particularly popular in the areas of management and not surprisingly from what we've talked about digital and technology solutions Um, although spreading out right across health social work uh, laboratory science all kinds of different areas Um, at the moment this is a a fantastic scheme for small businesses that are looking to uh, get some new skills into the business or to upskill and retrain it doesn't anymore have to be young people it doesn't anymore have to be people who are new to the business uh, and it's currently at at worst, the training is ninety five percent funded um, by the government. So you know a great opportunity to to bring talent in and to retain talent. Uh, you know many of these programs are three, four years long, uh, and so if you've got key people that you want to keep and upskill then it's it's a great way to do that. Um, what businesses seem to really like about that is the fact that they are bringing new knowledge to the business, but you're also growing your own talent and I think some of the feedback that we we've had over the years we've been working on it is that in a similar way to talking about the digital supply chain it can be very difficult for a small business to know what skills and knowledge uh, a new member of staff has Um, okay they might have studied a degree in a subject but but what does that really mean in terms of practical skills knowledge and behaviors which are the, the foundation of apprenticeships the other strand to it that I think addresses the second part of your question is that the 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 old kind of silos uh, which which are there in universities you know we have different departments different faculties actually are not necessarily producing the mixed skill sets that people want so if we look at something like the digital technology solutions program that's delivered with three faculties working together Um, now there isn't a program that exists outside of apprenticeships that does that Because actually what you need is some of the UX skills that are in our our kind of arts and humanities. You need those computer science skills that are in science and engineering, but you need the business analytical and consultancy skills that are in the business school. So I think the the idea of trying to to produce more hybrid people is, I think, definitely a key strand of of where people are going, particularly for small business owners, um, many of whom will be, uh, you know, in their 50s, Um, then actually that. Bringing in of the digital skills, bringing in digital marketing skills, bringing in UX skills, um, are things that again, you know, either they might have tried to do it themselves, they might have outsourced it, and you can get some great outsourced support. But actually, having that in-house knowledge can be can be a real boost and can enable you to purchase better and manage better. So I think I think more hybrid roles, definitely. Of course, the digital skills uh, coming in, and 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 this sense of moving across. So you know on a on higher level level seven masters digital programs, people are wanting to say, well look, we've got some people with great technical skills, but we need the management skills. We need the soft skills in there. On the other side, we've got people in management roles, many of them in, in big businesses as well as small, who are reaching a point in their career where without that digital knowledge and background they can't progress and, and frankly at some point may may become less necessary to the organization. So I think it's really good for young people, but I think we've got to get better about this idea of retraining that I, I mean we quoted all the time about how many different job roles people are going to have over the course of their life. But aside from, I would argue, you know higher level apprenticeships, we don't have a great system for people to retrain later in life. Um, you know It's still not a core part of what a lot of businesses do.
0: Yeah, gotcha. you. No, that that's an interesting thought, Jonathan. Um look, just picking up on the digital element, right? It's like um I said to you um, you know, as we were going into this, like um off air, so like um when we were just having a catch up that um I'd stalked you um socially. Yeah, yeah which I was quite social, impressed with. Which, yeah, it's like, um, especially since you said you didn't have a footprint, but... uh I'm quite good. I found We you.
1: were saying, my, my Facebook ads are totally wrong. I don't know they think I am, but uh, yeah.
0: Uh, you're you're certainly on LinkedIn, so people <laughs> can find you that way. But, um, um, you know, what role do you think social media has to play in... You know the the businesses that uh that you consult with and 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 work with so like um you know what what role is is social media playing with inside those those smes
1: i mean it you know uh, since starting work with them you know 10 15 years ago of course it's become a massively important channel for people to communicate um i think it varies between between sectors um you know we we of course encourage uh I'm thinking of a, a very innovative, actually, filter manufacturer uh, who actually is that unbelievable business. 3D printing, all this kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it's it's tough to do to do tweets about filters. They, they they do they do their best with it, but it's you know it's a tough subject to to get a lot of retweets on. Um, so I think you know it, it is horses for courses, and it, it, nothing new here. But you know, obviously, different platforms are going to provide different avenues um, for different businesses. But again, it's something that, you know, many many of the business owners are very familiar with more traditional forms of marketing. That's what they came up with. Um, and I think getting, again, the right skills in to help them to, to engage with uh, you know a much more responsive, much more nuanced um, form of communication with your customers through social media is something that people do better or worse, as you would imagine.
0: Yeah, no. The I mean, the interesting or some interesting statistics, right? It's like, um, look, people buy from people, right? It's like, um, yeah, that's the uh, uh, the age old saying, right? And uh, trust is is key everywhere. Yeah, um, but um, you know, some some research that um, I've read recently, it's like, um, you know, eighty eighty seven percent of B two B business professionals are more likely to trust someone that has been introduced to them through um you know their professional networks whether that be you know through uh through linkedin which is how you and i um originally slack like, um, found mm-hmm, each other mm-hmm. right through a, a mutual contact yeah. yeah and the reason you were willing to give me the time of day and have a conversation with me was because you you trusted sarah the person that uh mm-hmm. made the introduction right um so you know there's 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 walking proof or living living proof um and you know, that's some of the power to me that, um, you know, social networks bring, right, is in a buy-in cycle, um, you know, with, with technology um, so immersive and, and, and all around us today, um, you know, in a B2B buy-in cycle. Um, 60 70 percent of that buying journey is is already done before someone actually start, um, you know, talks to a salesperson at the organization right So whether it be an SME or whether it be a, a large enterprise, having some form of social presence is is key I think in in this day and age um, in order to to keep the business
1: alive. Yeah, I mean, as a minimum, it's a hygiene factor. You know, you're going to go and check people out online and make sure, well, indeed, as you did, uh, you're going to make sure that, you know, the business is real and it looks pucker and all the rest of it. But, I mean, it it does really vary. And, you know, I should say, we're talking about SMEs. This is such a broad church that we can't say anything sensible about the whole group. But, you know, there's a a huge amount of business that's still going on in in very uh, traditional ways. You know, people just talking to each other on the phone. you know we've got handwritten you know sales orders being sent backwards and forwards um and i think we have we have to also be able to support and and respond to those businesses many of them have got great businesses um but you know they're used to doing things in in a way that's worked so far and i think you know one of the privilege of working with the kind of companies that i do which is a very small subset i mean i've worked with a couple of thousand small firms but out of the whole population it's next to nothing is that they do recognize that what what got them to this point of their growth isn't necessarily what will get them to the next point yep. but that's not an obvious realization
0: yep yep no totally get it so talking of transformation how has the university had to adapt to uh, um you know transform over the course of of 2020 because uh, you know it's a Different experience for you, right? You're not on campus at the moment when you you normally would be. So, you know, what what's the university had to do to adapt?
1: Yeah, no, well, it's been it's been a it's been an interesting few months. Um, so we we went wholly online on I think March the twenty eighth. Um, so that means that uh, all of the teaching that was going on. We've got about thirty eight thousand students. Uh, so we're quite a big campus based university uh, has moved to online um i mean that went that went pretty well so we we, we had some good experience of online delivery and programs to kind of draw upon um and certainly you know the majority of that has been live lectures so keeping the interaction making sure that students are supported lots and lots of hard work from from the academic staff to get that uh, transferred over um in a sense as as with the rest of lockdown that that was almost the easy bit because you know right we're well, wholly campus-based give or take, we're going wholly online, that's fairly straightforward, we've got some real complexity coming up in the autumn um, because it's incredibly difficult to know what what situation we will will be in, so we're having to develop um, lots of different strategies to make sure that we can offer some campus time to all students, which we think is really important as a campus-based university, but also that we've got all of the support to make sure that nobody's disadvantaged if they can't attend uh, due to travel, due to self-isolation, due to uh, vulnerable people being part of the, the, the household. Um, so that, that, if anything, is, is, is more difficult, um, although we've got a little bit longer to plan for it. Um,
0: there's your digital story as well right there right it's like um you know it wouldn't be possible if you went back yeah 10-15 years yeah, yeah. Right? it's like um you know when uh, uh or even it's like um five years right it's like um or in my village probably it's like six months when uh mm. when broadband speeds were were not anywhere near what they are today it's like um you know we'd all be struggling right
1: i mean i mean that's true and and you know obviously we've been able to do stuff i mean i, I mean the transmission mechanism is still not where they should be you know you, you still don't have wholly reliable connection you still don't have wholly reliable broadband and it's you know i imagine it's also a little bit of a wake-up call around our transition transition mechanisms because w- we are making it work we're making it um happen not just as a university but across the, across the country but actually things could be a lot better um and, it, and it's um, i imagine it's come as a little bit of a surprise to some of the platform uh kind of hosting organizations because certainly we're seeing quite a lot of kind of up downtime. Down um so I think they're kind of working very quickly to catch up to the the speed of increase.
0: Gotcha. Jonathan, I've got two questions for you. Right. Two last ones. So first one um is that just keeping with the theme of the podcast series, right? If you were advising a business today, what stuff yeah would you be telling them that they should know about the changed world?
1: So I mean, step one has got to be you've got to survive. So you, you 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 just have to do what you've got to do to get through this. I think that survival period is is sort of coming towards a, a transition point where I think what a, what a lot of the businesses are describing now is is kind of a temporary normal. So we're not where we're going to be but we have some sense of normality in the way that we're doing things and how long that lasts is going to be is going to be very difficult but I think we talked a bit about um, a couple of things to a couple of groups on on zoom uh, and one is a bit a bit about something called kind of lighthouse strategy so the idea that w- what we can't see is the medium term we, we can do the little bit in front of the boat that stops us hitting the rocks the mid ground is very foggy but don't lose sight of that overall lighthouse destination. Keep keep a sense of where you want to be coming out of this. And that goes back to the point about don't lose the learning. I mean, really, any business that says once this is done, we're going back to exactly what we were doing before, is missing an opportunity in a crisis. Yep. So I, I think there's got to be that kind of sense of, of movement. And then I think there has to be some, some sense of personal care for the business owners. I mean, it, it, it's an incredibly isolated place. To, to run a small firm almost nobody else understands there's very few accurate media portrayals of it and so one of the things that we chatted about was this idea of, of circles of of concern influence and control and it it's, it's nothing complicated but it it's just the idea that there's stuff that's worrying you and worrying your staff that you don't have control over but there's some stuff that you do and I think just trying to keep that sense of self-care, self-management, not being too hard on themselves by recognising that there's stuff that they just can't do anything about right now.
0: Yeah, um, so worry, worry about what you can influence and what you can control, right? That's the, uh, the advice here, yeah. No, no, that's, that's sage advice, Jonathan. Um, look, when I was doing some research on you, um, preparing for for this podcast, I came across an article from 2015 where there are a number of academic staff from MMU from Manchester Metropolitan University helping to pr- promote sustainable pubs. Mm. Yeah. Now look, we could all do with a stiff drink, um, in, in <laughs> this time, but, um, I just wondered whether you could talk us through that initiative a little bit because I'm sure there's some lessons learned, um, for business leaders, um, with so inside that program that, uh, um, about, you know, transformation, et cetera, that, um, um you know they could take back into their businesses, for their staff, their clients, you know yeah. as, as they're thinking about economic recovery and post post the lockdown world.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a, it was only a small project, but uh, it was a chance to work with what is you know quite a traditional industry um, with through the lens of what you know what can we do that is ecologically sound but also makes good business sense. So it was a chance to work with a you know a small handful of pubs from different pub chains, to actually look at their business processes. So it's a kind of a productivity piece as well. Um, and I mean, this will come as no surprise to you, Colin, but you know, p- part of what we were finding and getting across was that small changes can make a massive difference. And this could be, this sounds ludicrous, but genuinely was the case. You know, things like when you're making the, the uh, the food, you know, the the way that you slice a tomato makes a difference as to how far it goes um you know the way that you are using napkins in the pub makes a big difference the way that you're thinking about your, your cooling systems um you know we were working with one pub that was um they, they were cooling the cellar and heating it at the same time um you know very very kind of strange one for the comfort of the staff and one for the the purposes of of uh keeping the beer cool so what emerged was, was really even in a very traditional industry, that if, if you take some time, get a little bit of kind of support and guidance, there are actually very practical changes that you can make, um, some of them relatively small, that can have a big impact, which make you both a greener operation, a more sustainable operation, but also a more profitable operation. Um, and I think, you know, the, the the whole, the whole notion of being green, being socially responsible is often one that people approach as a seesaw you know if, if the business is doing well enough then I'll have some funds to invest in doing some good um, but actually doing good can be really good for business um, and finding ways to do that uh, which have an impact on the groups that you want to impact but also have an impact on your bottom line um, is, is a really practical way to go forward
0: excellent um, I never thought that that conversation was going to take us down the route of magic tomatoes
1: i did i, I don't slicing,
0: ask me slicing tomatoes in a certain way will give you
1: apparently you, more you get tomato. more if you do it one way than the other you know these small changes but as do you make say the
0: the key takeaway there right is is small changes can well, have just, a huge impact keep, i mean we, we keep talk innovating. about that yeah we talk about that with inside our own business here at octopost yes yeah? like um you know a two percent in um a two percent improvement here or a two percent change there so like um you know can have have a radical um, positive impact on uh, on our customers and, and our business jonathan um we are coming to the end of our time i just want to say thank you so so much um always a pleasure to speak to you sir so, like um good luck with uh, uh, with your apprentices and good luck with uh, with the transformation programs that uh, you're running with inside some of those businesses good luck to everyone at um, mmu and, and the students and uh thank you for your time
1: Thank you very much Colin, it's been a pleasure.